Hello and welcome everybody to the High Ground Podcast. I have an awesome group of people, and uh, we are going to be talking about the um, we're going to be talking about the people versus George Lucas. I know we talked a little bit about that the other day, but this is going to be an in-depth discussion on that amazing documentary. So yes, we'll get into the nitty gritty. Stay tuned right here on the High Ground Podcast. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining me. I am excited because, um, yeah, I've been meaning to watch this, uh, you know, that documentary with with a group. We had a huge group of people, and I think it paints an interesting picture. It makes some, uh, brings to mind some interesting conversation moving forward. But before that, let's get started by going around the room, and we'll have you guys introduce yourselves, um, where we can find you. As well as, let's see, imagine you're a co-pilot in Star Wars. You look over to your left, who's who's flying the ship? And, and why? All right, I know I'm throwing you guys a curveball here, but... Uh, <laughs> and I will start with Brooke. Well, hello. Um, my name is Brooke, or uh, B Dazzler on TikTok. Um, what else did you want me to talk about? I blanked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just where, where we can, you know, find you and what you do, if you have anything to plug. Um, and then, you know, who you, are you the co-pilot for? Who am I pilot? Okay. Um, well, I, I'm B Dazzler on TikTok. I do um, lots of Star Wars stuff, but I've been diving into the, the Marvel stuff too lately, since that's been, uh kind of our the thing of this this time of year um and i also have an etsy store uh, where i make cool earrings you can find that at a far far away factory um and if i wanted to if i was the co-pilot of, pilot of someone i gotta go with boba fett just because slave one is so cool um and i love him so <laughs> awesome there's I, that <laughs> i love it and how about uh you jacob Yeah, so I'll uh, let me start off with who, who I'm co-pilot to. I want to go with Poe Dameron because that's one hell of a pilot, as uh, <laughs> our buddy po, uh, Finn has told us, uh, and he is. So, but there's several pilots I would love to sit with just just to admire their skill. Uh, anyway, J. Kevin Parker on TikTok. That's my biggest platform right now. I'm trying to build out my YouTube channel, which is uh, Epic Worldview. So, going to be doing more content there and. Yeah, that's all I have to plug at the moment. But I'm hoping to open a merch store eventually with a couple of my cool sayings on T-shirts and mugs, like Fragile Fanboy Tears, for instance. <laughs> nice. Um, I, one of my favorite new things that have been added is on Element 7 store. He has a shirt that just says, that's not canon. Um, oh, this shirt? Oh. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, and uh, how about you, Hammy? Uh, you guys can find me on TikTok uh, at Hammy Demand. You also can find me on Twitch uh, at Hammy Demand, where I have a Star Wars podcast. And if anybody in the chat uh, likes sports, I usually have a weekly uh, podcast where I talk about that. Uh, you guys can also find me on YouTube, where I will upload my podcast, and that's uh, just my regular name, 
uh, Drew H. And uh, I guess for me, uh, I would take, in my opinion, the best um, pilot in the galaxy, Anakin Skywalker. I mean, uh, I grew up with the Clone Wars, so he was obviously my favorite character. So uh, I'm going to have to go with Anakin. Right. Awesome. Um, Yeah, and then obviously if you're here, you probably know me. Um, But... Who am I co-piloting for? I am going to be sitting right next to the smoothest man in the whole galaxy. Um, I'll, I'll be I'll be cruising with early days uh, Lando, early or late days, you know. Whether it's the the Lady Luck or or the Falcon, um, I'll, I'll take Billy D or or Childish Gambino any day. <laughs> as long as you're the one drinking the Colt forty five and not him while he's flying. <laughs> uh, we got autopilot. You know, <laughs> that's uh, true. But uh, yeah, I wanted to get into it. You know, like I said before, we watched uh, as a big group, The People versus George Lucas, uh, which if you guys don't know, it's a documentary. It came out in 2010 and it kind of just goes through uh, the well, how, how would you guys uh, describe it? Um, uh, we'll go to Brooke. I'm curious how you guys how you would describe it. Um, I would describe it. I feel like the, the, the title is interesting right off the bat. Um, I would say it's like, overall, it's like fan reactions to Star Wars, because I feel like in the beginning it goes through how, how much Star Wars means to the fans, how much it means to people, what it's done for them. Um, and then it starts to move into like the timeline of, oh, when the special editions came out and how people reacted to that. And then how the prequels, when the prequels came out and how people reacted to that. And it kind of slowly goes from like up here to all the way down. A little, <laughs> little negative there, but. But it's it's still fascinating. And then uh, real quick, I, w- I, I want to do a little bit of um, um, shout outs. Because <laughs> I, I have a. Uh, yeah, you know, Star Wars lawyer Julia Christine here, Darth Lucifer, um, Darth Not Vader, Harith Productions, Cal Forer, uh, Elon, uh, awesome, just an awesome group in here. Um, I have a uh, Cad Bane wants Chopper to be his pilot, which Chopper is very capable of flying the ship, uh, so that's cool. Harith uh, says, um, "A load in great storm." Star Wars lawyer. All, agrees with me with Baron Ladonis, uh, with our, our guy Lando. Um, Arya L is all about Hera. Uh, Elon agrees with you with Anakin. <laughs> Darth Not Vader says flying is for droids. It's awesome. So we, awesome group hanging out here in, in the chat. Um, how about, uh, how about you, Jacob? What are your thoughts? How would you explain this? If you're trying to tell people, um, about watching it, and do you recommend it? Uh, first off, I absolutely recommend it to anyone who's a Star Wars fan for perspective, if nothing else. I think this perspective it gives you uh, is important, especially if you find yourself angry at anything that Star Wars has put out ever. Go watch this, and maybe you'll see a mirror uh, perhaps and in terms of how i'll describe it well it was like flashbacks for me because i lived through that i was a college student when the the special editions came out and right when i graduated is when the phantom minutes came out and so as a young adult i was going through this and 
people starting to really criticize me for liking those films. And I just, it was unhinged then. Now I didn't go to the conventions. I didn't do, you know, the hate conventions with the, the poetry readings and all that stuff about, I won't even say it on this podcast, but <laughs> what he did to their childhoods. Uh, I just, that, wow. I, yeah. It was nostalgic in a bad way. Yeah. It's one of the things I find interesting though, is it, is how it ultimately comes from a place of deep love. Um, which is like, yeah, but so do stalkers, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong. Uh, how about you, Hammy? Um, I guess I come from a little bit of a different perspective. Obviously, I wasn't born. I mean, I was like one and a half when like Revenge of the Sith came out. So I don't remember this. So uh, it was really interesting, I guess, to see like the fan reaction because uh, like I didn't know it was even that bad. I was like some of the stuff some people were saying, I'm like, I don't even know how you even came up with that. It's just a movie, just a movie. I mean, uh, no, it was just, it was really interesting, um, to see the fan reaction. I was just like fascinated of like, how could somebody get that frustrated over a movie? It's just, it's always been weird to me. I, I don't know. And then it was just weird. That's how I put it. (laughs) Um, and, and, you know, for those of you that don't know, Hammy also has, you know, he mentioned it briefly, but he has a podcast. I've gone on there a couple of times and we've always had great conversations. Uh, we, you know, don't see eye to eye on, on certain things, but, you know, we still uh, sharpen one another and have a great time talking. So that's one of the reasons I wanted to have you, uh, you here having a younger perspective as well as Jay Kevin, who is, has an older perspective. I'm just fascinated to see how these all interweave to each other, you know? Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, jumping straight into it first, right off the bat, it just is like giving us the story of star Wars and, and who George Lucas is and why he did what he did with it. And, um, you know, kind of the, the, the greatest Um. hits thing, very complimentary. Um, Right when this this jumps off, uh, what what comes out at you, uh, Jacob? I'll go to you first. Sorry, I missed part of that. Uh, what? Oh yeah, I, I, no no worries. Just uh, at the beginning of it, it's it's mostly talking about you know how George uh, inspired the gotcha. galaxy, inspired yeah. all of us. So so much you know fan films and all kinds of things. I mean, growing up, every kid did the fake lightsaber thing because we didn't have all this stuff that you guys have now. And, you know, I've got a couple of lightsabers that actually make noises. We had to make those with our mouths. We, we did all of that stuff. You know, I had like the Play-Doh like uh, toys that they can make the ships out of and all that, that, all kinds of toys and stuff. So the people were inspired. They made fan films. They, they made it like a part of their life, a bit codependent. Maybe, I don't know. Like maybe that's not even the right word, but, they, they got a little too invested, I think, in terms of there was a break from reality. But I certainly spent a lot of time as uh, a kid in, in Star Wars. So, yeah, he's inspired a lot of filmmakers. I mean, a lot of those fan film makers became actual filmmakers, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So. Tons of people in the industry all have that same starting point of they watched this. They wanted to see how it was made and started to try and make their own. Um, right. You're talking about people... 
slightly losing touch. I just I can't help but think about that lady who has all the action figures in her room, and she's like, George Lucas took away my husband and my son. <laughs> yeah, he made her buy all that stuff, right? <laughs> that was one of my favorite things ever. Um, <laughs> the self-control lack of. Uh, how about you, uh, Hammy? Your thoughts on that uh, the opening? I mean, I thought it was like, you know, I always knew people were fascinated with Star Wars from a young age, but I was more so fascinated with, like, how obsessed people were with, like, what George did. Like, this whole thing really focused on George's Star Wars, and, you know, it's just, I'm like, I understand the obsession over the movie, buying the toys. Obviously, it was a a cultural phenomenon, but, like, at the same time, their love for George Lucas, and I think more so... Uh, you know, like it was really odd to me, like how they they kept talking about George's vision. Um, but, you know, George's vision just changed. He wanted a different movie. He wanted to change some stuff. So it's like, why did you not like it then if you loved everything George did? It's it's really it's really fascinating how uh, they were obsessed with not just the film, but the filmmaker itself. Yeah. And I think it's one of the first times we saw like an actual filmmaker become that much larger than life. Um, Cause there were big filmmakers, you know, Spielberg and stuff um, at the time, but I don't see Spielberg having anywhere near that level of devotion. Um, how, how about you, Rook? Yeah. What jumped out to me um, at first was um, not just talking about how it inspired like other aspiring filmmakers but they said it, it just brings like all walks of life together. So whether you're an astronomer or an engineer or an artist, whatever, like you can imagine, they all can say that Star Wars inspired them to do what they are doing now in some way. So I thought that was really cool because um, you don't think about those other jobs. Um, uh, I think the... The fan films are wild. I love them. The idea is great. It reminds me of like, like OG YouTube, um, before it became mm-hmm. like people's careers and people are just doing it for fun. Um, I thought one of the most interesting points of this whole documentary, but in the beginning too, is the discussion of who owns these like this media what does who has ownership over this once a film is out is it does it still belong to the creators or does it also belong to the consumers um and i think that that's kind of an interesting discussion to have and where's where do you draw the line between what's like respectful to the people that created that thing Mm -hmm. and what's also going to still make the the consumers that appreciate that thing happy yeah, and thank you for bringing that out. That was good, actually going to be the next thing I was going to talk about is, is where do you guys feel with that? You know, if uh, can can DaVinci pop out right now and and make edits to the Mona Lisa? Would that be cool? Or like, uh, you know, what, what do you what do you think? I'll start with uh, with Hammy for this one. Well, I mean, I guess for me, I'm fine with um, whoever creates the project. Like in George's case, if he wanted to go back and edit the film and change it, I'm fine with that. I'm cool with that. But like uh, at the same time, I think it's a fan's, you know, responsibility. Uh, If they don't like a film, you know, like they don't have to like uh, like they showed with the prequels and the Phantom Menace. They made like a whole edit of what they wanted to see. Like 
you can't just pull pieces out of a movie and stuff. I think uh, as a fan uh, myself, you know, I understand um, where a director wants to go and like they should have their own vision. Uh, but at the same time, I think fans should have fun and create their own things, but understand that's that's not what the original creator's uh, intention is if it's too drastic. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and while, while we're talking about, about this subject, can I also get you to, uh, add your thoughts on, you know, what, uh, what you saw in the documentary in regards to, um, the special edition releases? Cause that kind of, you know, was, was framed by, by the same discussion. Do you have any further thoughts on that, Hammy? Uh, yeah, I guess for me personally, I never saw the original, original Star Wars. I've grown up watching um, the special edition, so I never really noticed it, like noticed the changes. And uh, yeah, some of them I know were like, I mean, I wouldn't say drastic, but like were different. And I, I was just, um, it was, I was just surprised at the fan reaction from simple changes to a movie. Um, you know, it's, you know, some of it is not great. I'll admit that, but some of it added to the story, I think. So, I mean, I don't know. It, I don't really think it's enough to complain about anything. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of uh, it It ruins everything. Although I feel like they did more good than harm personally. But, um, Brooke, what, what are your thoughts? You know, who, who owns the art and your thoughts on the special editions? I feel like it's such a, a hard question to like answer where do you draw the line because I think it's almost unfair to compare it to someone like Da Vinci coming back and changing something because the Mona Lisa was not like always regarded like Da Vinci was not always regarded as this like amazing painter until long after he was gone whereas we get more instant gratification with film at least now like with Star Wars it was almost immediately it became like a phenomenon. So George Lucas was still very much alive and is still very much alive. Um, mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's tough to compare it to something like that. Um, as far as the like special edition stuff and kind of tying it all in, um, I, I feel like obviously George is the original creator of everything. And he has, I believe he has the right to do whatever he wants. If he, thinks that it's going to make the movie better because he didn't have the budget for it or they didn't have the technology to do what he wanted to do at that point. And I, I don't see a problem if it doesn't change the integrity of the film, if the story doesn't change. Um, I like people were so mad about in the beginning, they were like, Oh, well the 20th century Fox logo was changed by like 20 frames and like the original star Wars thing that comes up. I'm like, why is that such a big deal to you? But it, cause it does not change anything about the movie. Um, the one thing I do kind of understand to a point is regarding the other creators, like the other people that worked on the film, especially when you talk about how Star Wars won Oscars for those things and then those things get changed. I do feel like it could be disrespectful to the other people that worked on the movie um, because I, I have was thinking about this earlier comparing it to the last season of game of thrones because it's not most people's favorite um i would never say that if you like it that you're wrong um but then when you bring in like oh 
petitions to change it or refilm it or same with Star Wars petitions to change it back to how it was or get a new thing. That is also disrespectful to everyone that worked on those projects. Um, so it can almost be a double edged sword in a sense. Yeah. No, I can, I can definitely see that. And cause there are, there are good changes. There are bad changes and there are, you know, uh, some people like victory celebration. Some people like yub nub. Um, <laughs> it's it's all about it's it's whatever floats your boat. Uh, how about you, Jake? Have well, I happen to like both victory celebration and yub nub. I just wish I had the option to pick one, whichever one time I wanted to watch it. But <clears throat> um, I actually have a pretty cut and dry answer for this again because I was in that era when it was happening, and some of my best friends and I really diverged on this topic and so uh i'll give a parallel to those uh that maybe aren't familiar with it that was actually happening around the same time as the prequels and that's the matrix trilogy which is actually my favorite film franchise uh just barely above uh, star wars and marvel the first matrix came out and everybody had their idea of exactly what that world was like they had so many preconceived notions and then two and three came out very soon after and those were back to back. And then people hated them. They railed on them just like people did the prequels, just like people are now doing to the sequels. And they said it was all wrong. I'm like, you realize they're the creators of the first film, right? And it's their vision that they're now realizing in films two and three. Uh, the Wachowskis did what they wanted to do, right? Like, how dare you? I mean, I, I didn't own it, so I didn't have like a personal stake in it. But, you know, I've created things and I don't want people necessarily messing it up. Maybe not to that level. But imagine imagine if you're a Taylor Swift fan and you don't like some of the things that she does with her music. And you say you thought you had trouble with your back catalog before. I own all your music and I get to decide what you do with it. You know, you can't change it. It's, it's not yours anymore. <laughs> I just I can't imagine telling that to, a, a, you know, a, a musician, uh, to an artist, uh, you know, I just, <laughs> as long as you <laughs> have the original, like if you bought the tapes, if you bought the special, you know, the laser discs or the DVDs and you have those, guess what? He didn't reach into your house and change those. You still have them. So I, I never understood that backlash either. Like it's just an updated version. You watch that one or you watch the one you like. I just, I don't have the originals. I just wish I did. <laughs> but I, most of the special edition stuff I also like. But Han shot first. All right, next. <laughs> no, that was actually going to be my, my my lightning round question of who who shot first. <laughs> uh, so we see where, where you're on it, Jake. Have uh, how about you, Hammy and Brooke? Who shot first? Um, I guess I would say Han. I would say Han, hundred percent. So. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm pretty indifferent. Like, it's fun to say, like, oh, Han shot first. But I, I don't know if it necessarily changes that much about his character either way, because he still shot and killed Greedo. So I don't know. It is what it is. <laughs> no, I just I know how how much of a hot button topic that was. I Because I was young when when this happened. But I remember that being the, the biggest thing. We, we got to see quite a bit of it. Um, and how, oh man, this utterly ruins his character. Like, well, it doesn't ruin That's over it. The top, man. I mean, yeah. it's, if anything, it says more about Greedo missing from that shorter distance. But, <laughs> <laughs> <A> clunky. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, I, I don't know. 
All right, so we, we yeah we heard lots and lots of things about the changes and stuff from the special editions. Some I like I like having um, Ian McDermott Emperor in in there. Um, Huge improvement. Uh, yeah, over the woman, over the chimpanzee the chimp. and the woman yeah. mixed together. Yeah, it was it was weird before, and the the voice was was weird. Also, shout out to Ian McDermott for getting cast in that role like super young, and then aging up to the appropriate age to play Palpatine <laughs> again. That's weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that doesn't normally happen. Uh, but there are also scenes where a big dinosaur just walks in front of the camera, and you're like. <laughs> I, I don't see what this adds. I but okay. Uh, I I don't know. But you know, after that, everyone still has this this deep love, and uh, do you, I'm not sure if if, if Hammy will, but the hype surrounding um, the Phantom Menace and when that first trailer dropped uh, of all the the droids and stuff coming down over that like that foggy hill and all this stuff. Um, that was hype. That was, that was hype personified. Uh, you know, we had so much excitement for the prequels and everyone's just like super stoked. It's on the news nationally. Um, people are going to the movie theater just to see the preview and then going home, (laughs) paying to see theater attendance shot up. Uh, what did you say? Like 1200%. Um, (laughs) <laughs> just for for the trailer so and, and then they asked the question well what if it what if it sucks uh and then the documentary just kind of leaves that thought hanging out there now i loved the prequels from the get-go that's that's me but um i'll go to uh to hammy first uh, what'd you think of this part once the the prequels came out i mean obviously uh, I was just being born when um, I think Attack of the Clones was coming out. So I, I didn't experience it in the theater myself, but uh, I've always heard about the reaction to the prequel trilogy. And it was really cool in this documentary how uh, they showed it, how fans, you know, it's so funny to me how uh, how high their expectations were. And I'm like, I couldn't imagine them like walking out of the movie theater after seeing The Phantom <laughs> Menace. I mean, I like some parts of the movie, obviously, but... Uh, to me personally, compared to the originals, it's uh, it's kind of a downgrade, just in my opinion. But uh, it's uh, it was just really like fascinating to see their reactions. And some dudes were going like thirteen or fourteen times, like hoping one time it would hit, like one time it would be good for them. I'm like, hmm. uh, I like at some point you got to stop. Some point you got to, you know, it's it's not going to be good after like twenty times. If you don't like it, the first two, not going to like it. So. Uh, it was just it was just really crazy to see uh, how passionate fans were and then the reaction afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like that the one guy is like, I saw it 13 times in theaters, but, but he hated it. <laughs> like, what, what is what is wrong with you? Uh, Element seven always uses the example of like finding a, a piece of poop in, a, in the field. And you smell it, and you're like, oh, that smells bad. But you just stay there, and you keep smelling it. And you're like, what? Stop it. I, I don't, I can't help you, you know? Um, oh, how about you, Brooke? Yeah, um, I was still a little young when The Phantom Menace came out. I think I was 
five. Um, so I don't quite, and I, I was not that into Star Wars growing up. Um, it wasn't something my parents really showed me. I remember watching them on TV and stuff, but, um, from, I can speak on being a child, um, watching the prequels at, I at least remember watching the Phantom Menace at some point when I was maybe six or seven. Um, I loved Jar Jar. So when they got to kind of the conversation between like, who are these movies for? Are they, are they for the aging audience or are they for this next generation of kids? And, and what's fair for the fans for the movies? Um, I thought it was a very interesting, like stark difference between the kids that were like, we love Jar Jar. He's hilarious. And the adults that were like, this is like literally the worst thing. Like he is the <laughs> devil reincarnate. I, there was someone that said Jar Jar was a cartoon character invading out, invading something I was taking seriously. That the guy in that documentary that said that I was like, okay, but this is still a movie with like aliens and space or magic. Kids. For, for children and George has always said it's it's for children and I think people get up in arms in that discussion it literally does not matter if you are an adult and you like Star Wars we all four of us here are adults if not close to adults talking about how much we love Star Wars that doesn't mean that we can't enjoy it even if we're not the target audience so I think that, that a lot of the hate that maybe the prequels get and maybe even the sequels we can talk about too is just people that just forget that, you know, this isn't, this isn't for you anymore. And you're never going to be as excited as you were when you saw it, when you were a child, because you're not a child anymore. And I think people would build up the excitement in their heads when they saw the trailer, because the trailer reminds them of how they felt when they were a kid, but then they get to the actual movie and it's not going to give them the same experience. Yeah, no, I like how you how you say that because the trailer really does uh, bring out that that childhood wonder that you, you felt before. Um, you know, my, my buddy my buddy Travis uh, cried every single time he watched the Force Awakens trailer. Actually, all of them, but uh, especially Force Awakens because he was there with me at Star Wars Celebration. We watched it together. He cried. Watch it the next day. You cried. We kept watching it like in line, waiting for things. He cried every single every single time. I was like, dude, you want some water or something? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I thought he was gonna be dehydrated personally. Um, uh, how about you, uh, Jacob? Well, when that trailer hit, man, I I was super hyped. Like I said, I was uh, just about to graduate from college as the trailer came out. I was in my senior year. And all of us were just taking up the entire university's limited, you know, T1 line bandwidth uh, internet to download that trailer with quick time, like a hundred times on every computer we could find. And we just watch it, this little postage stamp size, but it was just so exciting to watch. And uh, I still, I mean, as soon as you started talking about the trailer, I started getting chills again because it was exciting. Now I wasn't disappointed with it. Uh, and I wasn't disappointed with Jar Jar. Maybe, I don't take it seriously enough like some of these true fans do, but uh, I just thought Jar Jar was kind of funny. He was a comic relief. That's literally his purpose, uh, or at least a big part of it. Uh, but when uh, I started seeing these other people get 
really pressed about it. I, that's when, because I was a young adult, I had realized that, okay, a lot of us fell in love with Star Wars when we were kids, and we don't critically view that art hardly at ever. Most people don't ever look back at their childhood favorites and think, hmm, let me examine, you know, the story structure and the, you know, fight choreography and, you know, just how well the writing was. We just, now that we're older, we're a little more aware. Maybe we've taken a literature class or two, and then we start to get frustrated with the new films because suddenly they don't meet our expectations. But because our brains have developed, hopefully, right? And But for me, I started looking back at the original trilogy, and I thought, well, it's not perfect. And, and then that was it, and I've never not loved it. I, I just realized, hey, it's not perfect. I can move on. Uh, some valid criticisms, but, uh, you know, Star Wars is Star Wars. It's always meant for kids relax about it that's kind of my take on it these kids get these adults that don't really grow up they get so worked up it's the same thing okay clone wars versus rebels a lot of kids fell in love with the clone wars then they grew up and then rebels came out oh it's not what i'm used to so it sucks it's actually not that different but you know a lot of the same people worked on both shows a lot of the styles are similar but it's just because you were a kid when the first one came out a lot of people hated the clone wars when it came out I took my kids to the movie in 2008 and have been a fan ever since. But people were mad about that then who were already adults. I, right? I, I hated it um, <laughs> when it first came out. But I didn't love it. It was I thought, OK, my kids love it because I saw the wonder on their faces. I had that advantage that I had young kids at the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to ruin it for them. And then so I relaxed about it. And then I've liked it ever since then. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm like when the Clone Wars came out, I thought I didn't like the art style because everyone was like tall and skinny and super angular. And and it's funny because I hear that complaint about Rebels now. And as you watch this documentary, you just see it's the same exact criticisms word for word from each group. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's... It's it's just really humorous watching watching it move forward. Uh, one of the things that struck me is there is there was the person uh, that Broke was talking about when he was like Jar Jar is the least funny thing to have ever existed, uh, and like you know and there was a whole medley of people like burning Jar Jar toys, throwing him off bridges, um, doing CGI Jar Jars dying and stuff like that. Which, like they do Ray right now, <laughs> unfortunately, and Rose. It's well, it's it's fascinating because I, it was worse back then because the tools weren't available to easily do any of this stuff. You had to, you know, if you know people who wanted, um, like you would have to make, like, making a CGI, Jar Jar on your own at that time period is insane. That's countless hours of like, I hate this thing. Oh, I'm going to code this so good. (laughs) It reminds me of like when people get mad at their favorite athletes for leaving their team or whatever, and then burning their jerseys. Like you're, you're wasting your own money and time doing this. What's the point? I, I I kick myself because I didn't invest into Nike before uh, people started burning Nike shoes for for Colin Kaepernick because people uh-huh. started they saw a huge surge in purchases because people would buy shoes to burn them and you're like you realize no one 
you bought it. They got the money. They're done. I I, I don't know. Um, but but yeah, and so the the, but right after that part, they interviewed like these kids, and all the children are like, I like Jar Jar. He's super funny. And there's a, the, you know, uh, the adult was talking about like, you know, this is weird for me because, you know, for the, my kid growing up, there's six movies for him and it's, he views them all as one, as one story, you know, versus what to him at the time, what it truly is, is three movies and like these other things. And once again, it's just just something that just kind of kind of repeats itself. Yeah, when that one guy was like, "The numbers one, two, three don't exist in my universe." Like, what? Uh, are you really that petty? Anyway. <laughs> yeah, and uh, we also got a bunch of different different fan edits. Um, I have to say though, my favorite thing though is the the people that's split up the original uh, Star Wars film into what was it like 20 second bites or something like that and different people like acted out those parts and they made one big fan film super cool super ingenious uh, super creative things like that that kind of got sparked from it but then we also have people who you know I made my version of The Phantom Menace uh, it was in like black and white and they changed the aspect ratio to four by three <laughs> and i was like oh my god this is 2010 this is they didn't know the snyder cut was happening they just <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you guys think about all the uh the fan created projects um i guess i will go to uh i started with Haley last time so we'll start with brooke uh, I think the the fan films that are in support of that media is always cool. Um, I loved that the guy who was helping organize it said there's like 400 something different clips and they were all getting taken up by people who wanted to be a part of it. Um, so I think stuff like that is cool. I even think like fun like parodies are cool because Star Wars is campy star wars is corny and you got to make fun of it a little bit um like not just like space balls but like the fan stuff that you make you got to make fun of the stuff that you love a little bit um but not in a way that's completely disrespectful to the original source material so people that are editing things the way that they think it should be i'm like okay but where's your film credits where's your film degree like, where, what's your experience that determines what is good and what's not? And I think there's a line where it's just not fun, especially back before, like, social media and YouTube were huge. Like, now people do that stuff for, for Internet clout, for clicks and views. But back then, they were just legitimately doing it because they hated it that much. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, your thoughts on it, uh, Jacob? So my favorite projects were always the ones that just like extended it. So Troops is my absolute favorite of all those original parodies. Um, not It wasn't really a parody, but it was like what really happened at the uh, at the large ranch. And it was it had like the uh, 
Mystery Science Theater 3000. I forget which droid name that was, but like the gumball machine. And uh, they, uh, the Jawas fighting everything, and then they end up shooting Aunt Beru, and it's like uh, something about, yeah, their son, Duke. You know, it, it just, that whole, <laughs> I, I also downloaded that. It took up the whole university uh, bandwidth for a while. Uh, but just that edit was incredible. Um, I actually like the professional fan films, which are like uh, not family guys so much, but like Robot Chicken and like even Phineas and Ferb and some of these I think are hilarious. But they're all homages to that as well. Uh, even Spaceballs, the fact that George Lucas was around a lot for the filming of Spaceballs and, you know, Industrial Light and Magic did a lot of the effects for Spaceballs. I thought was really cool. He, he thought it was fun and funny, right? Although he didn't let them sell merch, which was why that whole joke with yogurt uh, about, you know, merchandising, which is even <laughs> funnier. But, uh, yeah, I just and but some of the, the there wasn't like YouTube back then. It was early, the early days of YouTube with the prequels. But like in my era, there wasn't anything like that. So you just like maybe had VHS tapes or whatever with people's fan edits and they didn't get spread very widely. The Internet's helped do that a lot. It's actually people have made individual careers out of their Star Wars edits. Uh so that's that's interesting to me. It's something mm-hmm. I actually would like to do more of. But to say I don't like it, so I'm going to go make a fan edit. This is the way it should have been. I think is pretty damn arrogant. Just my opinion. No, I, I can I can see that. Because there's a <laughs> one is a a, la- a labor of love, and the other is um, I don't know what you. <laughs> well, like the memes, right? Like we can take any part of star Wars and make funny memes out of it. And I think that's fine. Those are jokes. Good, good times, but it, it's the attitude that comes with it. Right. Like, is it out of anger? And like, you think you know more than the creator or is it, I'm just having fun with, uh, you know, Jar Jar doing X, Y, or Z or, you know, hello there memes or whatever it is, which I think are funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, the the fan project though when they were doing Indiana Jones and the kids are like lighting themselves on fire and stuff in the basement when they said gasoline instead of alcohol I was legitimately concerned I thought is there going to be like a graphic content warning because that's not how that works and it's in a <laughs> basement it's not probably right. <laughs> I'm I'm glad he survived at least I hope he did they're getting dragged behind a car Those I was screams seem really bold. real though. <laughs> just saying. I was a bold kid. I was nothing like that. Uh, but how about you, Henry? Uh, I guess for me personally, I love, uh, you know, I love like the grainy uh, fan films that are just filmed in the backyard because it kind of reminds me of when I was even younger. And, you know, you would go outside, you'd have your toy lightsaber and you'd play with your little cousin or you'd play with your friends. So I always like the more. Uh, you know, realistic ones, the ones in, you know, the backyards and stuff. So I've always been a big fan. Uh, but like uh, what you guys were saying, I think it's the intent behind it. If you're making it out of love, that's awesome. But if you make it out of hate, I'm like, I just question like your life and I guess your lifestyles. Um, so, yeah, I just I love fan films. I'd love to see uh, what people think. And um, they're making out of, you know, love, passion for uh a franchise so it's it's always been really cool to see uh what people come up with and you know they spend a lot of time on it so they obviously really care yeah uh, i love uh julie christine's comment the uh, the real prequels were the friends we made along the way <laughs> which is is funny because i've i mean i've met all of you guys through our, our shared love of star wars you know i've made so many lifelong friends i don't know it just really it's just 
it's it's fascinating. I, I think it's just a really fascinating study. Um, all right, so my next question for everyone is, as we're kind of going through this, and again, this was 2010. This this film was made prior to you know George Lucas selling. Um, actually, that's a better question to start with. After watching this film, what do you think about George Lucas selling the franchise? Uh, if if that <laughs> if if there is any uh, influence there, that's uh, so I'll start with Jacob. Hell yeah, there was influence. Excuse me, but he the guy was being bombarded all the time. The internet, a lot of the internet grew as a way to hate George Lucas, <laughs> and like forums sprung up all over the place and were just filled with these angry fanboys uh, crying about how their childhood was ruined. I mean, the, there are corners of the internet I decided not to lurk in anymore because of that garbage. YouTube, for instance, there's a lot of time I I didn't spend on certain channels of YouTube and even searches and whatnot because I'm like I can't take the depressing fanboyism or whatever. Uh, yeah, I think George got frustrated. And in fact, you can hear it in his interviews when he actually brings up about yeah, well the fans will hate it, but I'm still going to make it my way. Uh, I, I mean, they get mad at him for saying that, but it's his stuff. You know, we're we're living in his world in, in that sense. Um, the guy was bullied so much. And all the stuff they're doing to Kathleen Kennedy now, I mean, yes, add to the fact that they, they try to throw on political agendas on her because she's a woman that they didn't throw on to George Lucas. But a lot of that hate was the same kind of hate that he got. And I know he had to really, you know, give her some advice on, well, you probably just need to retire from public life forever and never come back outside and they're going to hate you. Here's the company. Like, that's the way I imagine that conversation going. So, yeah, he just wanted to focus on family so, and not, being, you know, giving death threats and that kind of thing. So uh, and, and just as, as a follow up, do you think that um, uh, how, how do I how do I word it? Because uh, George, you know, was relentlessly pursuing his vision, right? Do you think he should have done that? Do you think he should have taken, been taking advice from other people throughout each film, or taking public criticism throughout it? How, how do you how do you think that works? If he had done that, then we wouldn't have any of what we have today. Like it, it probably wouldn't have even made out the first film, or if it did, it wouldn't have gone to a sequel after, you know, Star Wars in 1977 because. He decided right then and there with Fox, he was done taking any crap from anybody. He was going to do it his own way. And then we got that original trilogy, very much his vision, not all of it, not 100%, but very close to it as we got toward, you know, to the teddy bears that everybody hated when I was a kid. And I love the Ewoks. And that's another thing. I'm still like, why did y'all have to make fun of me about the Ewoks? Uh, but <laughs> no, Stormtroopers are better. Like, anyway, sorry, flashbacks. But yeah, like this whole idea that uh he he should have been listening to the fans all along well then we wouldn't have gotten any of what you love to begin with so i mean maybe like i certainly have listened to i've changed some of the ways i do my tiktok uh stream now and what days i'll focus on replying to these fanboys for instance because some people said hey maybe you know don't do that so much and i've taken that to heart so i think there's some that you could do as a creator like george lucas could have done but I mean, his whole thing is he he reshaped Hollywood by not listening to what everybody else said. That's yeah. my view on that. 
Yeah, and uh, how about you, Amy? Well, I, as a creator, I think it's it's definitely fair to take you know public criticism, but at the same time, uh, you shouldn't be reactionary. You shouldn't just fully listen to the fans. You should obviously take criticism, but you know, not react always. And I give credit to George because you know it was his vision. No matter what, it was always going to be his story. Um, and yeah, I I definitely think uh, you know the fans pushed him out. He didn't want to do it. There was I think he lost. Uh, his love for, I think he still loves the films he made, obviously, but he just lost his passion for it. I mean, there's really no sense uh, in working on something that people are going to trash on. And those are the loudest people, sadly, the people that trash on it. So he just, he didn't want to do it anymore. And I, I don't blame him. I really don't. No. And uh, just just to answer uh, Cad Bane in the chat when he says no one likes the Ewoks, I, I love the Ewoks and... Uh, um, Bro, I love the Ewoks. And, They're awesome. <laughs> and I, I get that you wish there was Wookiees on Endor uh, instead, but there's not enough people above seven feet tall to make that work. <laughs> and um, uh, also a bear. They, they are bears. A bear right. is stronger than a human. And if a bear has a spear and can set traps, we are all screwed. That's all I'm saying. Like, well, and Wookiees was the original vision George had, right? But he had already established them as having, you know, very sophisticated brains that could fly ships because of Chewbacca. And so then it didn't make sense to suddenly they're this primitive culture. Yeah. So he just flipped Wookiee, made it Ewok, and then made them short. And they're still hairy. So it's not that big a difference. Come on, guys. <laughs> and they're uh, cute. Uh, some of them. <laughs> some of them are terrifying pretty terrifying uh, yeah when they're tying you up and lighting a fire under you i imagine uh also if you've played ewok hunt it's not for the faint of heart um how about you brooke your thoughts on it i definitely think there is an influence in uh the response to that led to george selling lucasfilm i i understand as a creator as a filmmaker you you should expect criticism from the people that consume your media but watching this documentary and seeing how people react to the sequels today and how absolutely personally people take it to the point where they forget about anything but their own feelings and just project to like destroy the lives of George Lucas and even like the actors that were involved in these movies who had no creative control over what they were doing. Um, there's a lot of just like, I don't, ignorance, I guess, if you want to, if you will, um, and just the lack of any sort of empathy whatsoever. Um, so I don't, I don't blame him at all for, for wanting to, leave or retire or whatever um i think maybe part of it too was because of the explosion of star wars he also probably felt like he couldn't move on from it because even in the documentary he said it, it took over my entire life i didn't want to become a businessman but here i am now running a business that is solely almost solely star wars stuff um so I think there were there was definitely elements of everything that that influenced 
um, him to leave. And I'm trying to think of what else I wanted to say. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> yeah, no worries. I mean, I now now we do have an example of unfettered George Brain. Um, and it was brought up in the chat by uh, Zblad. We have the holiday special. <laughs> um, curious, your guys' thoughts on the holiday special. Uh, Hammy, have you seen it? Uh, yeah, I have seen it. Um, I always find George's comment where he says, "If I if I had the chance, I'd smash every single one." <laughs> I've always found that so so funny. Um, yeah, it's it's. Um, it's interesting. That's that's all I'll say. It's a it's really interesting. Um, yeah, it's like George. I think George obviously hates that side of Star Wars, but uh, yeah, it's re- I, I that's my favorite George Lucas quote. If I had a chance, I'd smash them all. Like, <laughs> uh, uh, Brooke, uh, holiday special. Um, I have actually not seen it all the way through. Um, I've only seen clips. Um, and from what I've heard from people, um, it does sound absolutely ridiculous, but I also don't think it deserves the outrage that it gets because it's literally just, it is what it is. Um, I will say, going back to, to George, um, I do, I like that he um, didn't want to be kind of controlled by like an overarching corporation, um, but I think that there could have been some sort of balance between having other creatives there that were kind of able to keep him in check or whatever you want to call it for the prequels. Um, because George is such a great visionary. He's a great, he is a great storyteller. Um, but to be honest, like I, at least in my opinion, the movies that he didn't direct are better than the ones that he did. Um, because I don't know if he, I mean, I don't have any directing experience, so I have like almost no room to talk, but, mm-hmm. um, I feel like having other people to collaborate with and having him kind of leave the story elements to him seemed more beneficial, like giving, um, a different director to like empire and return of the Jedi, I think strengthened those movies. I would have been interested to see how they would have turned out if he had handled everything himself with those as well. Um, but yeah. It's interesting that you, you put it that way because like, even with the original trilogy, tonally empire strikes back is way, way different than the other films. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, but that's, that was Lawrence Kasdan and it was a very small, very personal film, um, which is what I, what I love. So yeah, there's there's definitely there's definitely some leeway in having an, an unfettered vision, but uh, uh, I have um, <laughs> uh, in the chat saying I may have gone too far in a few places, <laughs> which George Lucas says while in the documentary for the Phantom Menace. Um, Cal Forest says it's definitely a fever dream experience. Uh, Julie Christine, I thought the holiday special was a meme or made up inside joke for way too long. <laughs> um, Brian with the beard says it was an instant classic, and Star Wars lawyer uh, Chris says there is no holiday special in Bossing Say. Um, 
don't know if you guys watch Avatar, but <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's certainly wild. How about you, uh, uh, Jake? Have you do you remember seeing it? So I don't think I actually saw it as a kid. I think I would have remembered that. Um, I've certainly seen it since. Um, I don't know how I would have missed it. I mean, there might have been a football game on or something, but you know, in terms of whether or not George Lucas even had a lot of say in it, I. I, I can't don't call me on this, but last I heard or what I, I thought I saw in a documentary was that that was the studio pushing that because they didn't want to wait three years for the next thing to come out because suddenly they saw all the money from Star Wars. And so they're like, hey, let's put this thing out on TV. It'll be great. We'll sell more toys and, you know, we'll get B. Arthur to sing one of the, the best parts, by the way, actually. So, one more round, friends. That's right. Uh, I can do without the Wookiee VR porn, but you know, then there's the rest of it that was, you know, the the animation was good. I mean, we got Boba Fett out of it. That's where they started selling those toys, and um, yeah. So it's, it, I'm glad it's not canon. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'm really glad it's not canon, but you know, it's part of the, it's culture. Like it happened. It's it's a pop culture phenomenon in that sense, and people couldn't get enough Star Wars already. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Brooke said about the, the directors, though, and I think it's hilarious in a sad way that people gripe about how the sequels had two directors and that's why they're bad. Like, bro, the originals had three directors and it was amazing, but people didn't think so at the time because they were so tonally different. I remember even as a kid, Empire Strikes Back freaked me out a bit. It was a long time before I saw that as a really good film because Yoda freaked me out. It Same. ended on a bad note. It was like, Same. this This is not how these movies are supposed to end. This is, a guy lost his arm and, you know, found out that was his dad and boom. Da, 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 da. And that's not how that's supposed to go. That Like, that freaked me out as a young guy. Um, and then... This, the like, scene where Yoda goes, or when Luke goes, I'm not afraid. And he goes, you will be. As a little yeah, kid, I was like, oh, Dude, no. and my parents <laughs> bought me a Yoda, like shampoo bottle and so i had to like stare at that thing in the bathtub as a kid like i, I want out mom <laughs> sorry nightmares but uh yeah it was, it was scary but like the original i mean sorry the prequels when he directed them by himself that was one of the big i think valid criticisms of the prequels was that he wrote it and he directed it and he did everything himself because he didn't want anybody to have any say in it but you also didn't have like carrie fisher and um Harrison Ford and others pushing back and rewriting the dialogue for him because all the actors then were like, Oh, this is George Lucas. We'll just do whatever he says. And it nearly ruined Natalie Portman's career. She's been on record of saying that uh, because of the way people reacted to the films. It certainly ruined a few of the, the male actors careers uh, like young Jake Lloyd and Ahmed best and others, uh, even uh, poor Anakin Skywalker himself. I'm glad he's coming back. I'm glad we're getting Hayden back in this uh, ser Kenobi series coming up, but it just maybe if he had had some creative collaboration, it might not have been so bad. I don't know. But people are going to hate Star Wars. Every time there's new Star Wars, people hate it. Damn it. It doesn't matter what he does or what Kathleen does or what J.J. Abrams does. People are going to hate it. Some people. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm going to love it. <laughs> I just I love all of it. I'm a fanboy. <laughs> uh, I mean, speaking of which, I guess the next question I want to ask is. What criticisms did you notice popping off that you see happening right now? Because there's quite a few that were word for word, you know. So, so what what criticisms that are happening now did you see 
in this about past things and also I mean do you do remember what they were saying those about um and I don't recall who I started with so I am going to go to Brooke first <laughs> um one of the thing I mean some of the criticisms that I was hearing was like beat for beat what we hear now um I the one that got me watching was the when they brought up the midichlorians because i know a lot of people did not like that at all but hearing that someone was like oh it's these movies are ruining what we knew about the force i feel like we've heard that about the sequels as well it's just like the way that the rhetoric is exactly the same is mind-blowing i'm like did are these the same people or are, how like are these parents teaching it to their kids and then those kids are saying the same things it's just wild how some of it is like word for word the same yeah yeah definitely uh how about you jacob it's bad writing i heard that a lot um that that's said of both trilogies it's, uh, you know, XYZ force power ruins the force, ruins lore. The force sprint, for instance, uh, in The Phantom Menace that we never saw again, which I'm like, bro, that would have been really handy when you were trying to save your master from Maul, I'm just saying. But uh, no, I'm just going to just going to regular sprint this one. Uh, but that's OK. I, I, it didn't bother me because the story needed them to do the things that they did. And I get that. But uh, but the people who criticize both like. Uh, so many of the criticisms, like Jar Jar's the worst character ever, Ray's the worst character ever. I'm like, okay, but there's there's a little more to it than that. Ray wasn't just a side character for comic relief either. So, eh, you know, um, there was you know these certain battles that didn't work. The choreography was terrible. I heard that the choreography was terrible the prequels, and now I'm hearing the same thing about the sequels by people who defend to the death every move of the choreography of the, of the prequel trilogy. Like, so it's just interesting to me to see that kind of switch uh, from people. Of course, it's a new generation that's come up and their parents were the ones that hated the prequels and now they're the ones that hate the sequels. So uh, it's it, it just almost every criticism I've heard, I've said, you know, George, oh, Disney only cares about making money with toys. Well, guess what? Uh, Kurtz, not Kurtz. Uh, yeah, no, no, he's Kurtz. the producer, right? Uh, yeah, Kurtz... Left the uh, the original trilogy after Empire because he said, "Well, George Lucas cares more about toy sales than he does about story." In 1980, so if you think that's not fair of George Lucas, how is it fair of Disney, or vice versa? Like, if you're going to make this criticism, oh, or the well, the sequels lost money. Like by the time they made the third film, it lost a lot of money compared to the first film. All three trilogies had that phenomenon. People got bored by the third movie. If you look at it, not even counting for inflation, just numbers. If you look at the box office, it's significantly lower Return of the Jedi from the first Star Wars. I'm not talking about all the re-releases. I'm talking about the initial release. Revenge of the Sith was significantly lower than The Phantom Menace. The same thing happened with the sequel. So how is that a valid criticism? Anyway, sorry, I get worked up about this stuff. No, 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 no. I've been hearing it for decades. And it it really frames why... I just kind of laugh about certain things that I hear of like, I mean, oh, it's just, it's just objectively a, a bad film. You know, like that's, 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 that's what they, that's, 
You're saying the Not same how thing. how those words work. I was laughing <laughs> out loud. Of course, I had to have my microphone muted because uh, Hammy was was calling out things that they were going to say of like, when are they going to say this? I'm like, oh boy, <laughs> they're about to. Uh, uh, Hammy, your, your thoughts on it? Um, I guess the one, they didn't touch on it a lot, but the criticisms of Jan Anik. I mean, it's very beat for beat what they did for Ray. Now, it's it's really just, you know, fascinating how uh, it's almost like a trend in the Star Wars community when there's a new main character to just hate on him and just compare him to Luke Skywalker. Now, Luke's one of my favorite characters, and it's, it's hard to, you know, kind of play up to uh, that. But, like, you don't have to compare him to Luke. You know, they're their own character. They serve the purpose in their own story. And, you know, uh, I guess, you know, it's just been really interesting to hear you know, you guys, your guys' perspectives, because I didn't grow up, you know, with, I mean, I watched the prequels as a kid, but I didn't grow up with the hate. And now I'm starting to see like, oh, uh, younger people are like falling in the same trap as these, as these fans did in the past. And it's just, <laughs> uh, it's really fascinating how like, uh, it's, it's never going to stop. It's probably never going to stop, but uh, I guess we try to do damage control and, you know, the less people who do it, the better. And and the more people who are aware of it, you know, that the healthier the fandom can be, in, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And that's the whole reason I try to bring this stuff up, because uh, honestly, I feel for the very first time ever, it's possible to break the cycle. I, I honestly feel that that could happen now. Um, my thought process is that for a lot of people, you know, this is a foundational block if if you watched this for the first time as as a child or as a preteen something like that this helped you make sense of the world around you which is what fiction does this is why comic books and i honestly believe that uh comic books star wars superhero movies are the most important genres for the future because it shapes helps shape the morality of young people today in a way that's almost religious. Um, And the reason that we're unable to fully criticize the stuff that grew up with is because that became a foundational block and we're building on top of that block. And if you move this block, I mean, if you play Jenga, like we, we don't, we don't look at this block, like don't. (laughs) And, um, but right now, we are in a unique position where we can potentially get enough Star Wars content that rather than the only new content we get be made for the next generation, we can get stuff that's made for us, some that's made for them, some that's made for the following generation. Um, you know, I, there's, there's, there's also this like, oh, don't make Star Wars political, even though it's Star Wars. But... There can be content that is created uh, with people on both sides in mind, or with one side of mind and with the other side in mind, and you know you don't have to wish that that side didn't have any content. That's weird, um, I, but I, I do think that we actually have the chance to get there. Um, unlike George Lucas, who. And in, in, in all honesty, he did care. It did hurt him, the reaction, um, deeply. But 
uh, I feel like, I mean, let me ask you guys this question. Do you think the direction and things of the sequels were meant to directly correct the backlash from the prequels? Um, we'll go to Hammy first. Oh, I, 100%. 100%. Um, I think with The Force Awakens specifically, they wanted to um, recapture fans with a movie similar to A New Hope. Uh, You know, a lot of people compare it to that movie. So I definitely think that um, uh, partly, you know, I've come to enjoy the sequels more. Now, I I was a toxic fanboy once, too. So, you know, uh, we all come around at some point. But, uh, yeah, I just think, you know, at this, you know, uh, the sequel trilogy tried to mirror the original trilogy. Um, And I think, you know, um, I think some prequel fans were disappointed with that because, you know, they uh, they love that side of Star Wars. But I think Disney um, saw the backlash from the prequels and were like, oh, we have to go with something kind of similar to. Uh, the storyline of the original trilogy. So uh, I'm not saying this is a direct copy, but they try to uh, mirror uh, that story that we got, you know, with George and stuff. Yeah, uh, they definitely, I mean, they did that intentionally. Um, in in the book, uh, Bob Iger's book, Red of a Lifetime, he specifically talks about, yes, we, we wanted to try and do something to capture the, the old fans. Um and you know that was that was on on their menu, and that's one of the things that Bob Iger felt hurt George Lucas. Uh, it's it's funny because people quote like, "Oh, George Lucas felt betrayed." George Lucas felt betrayed, and all this. George Lucas actually never said that. Bob Iger said that he thinks that George Lucas felt betrayed. Like this is all framed from a whole different perspective. Great I think book. that was a misstep to the way he said that. Probably didn't do Disney any favors. But but you can't you can't know until until you do it. You know what I mean? Like, for instance, one of the big complaints about the prequels was there's so much politics, talking about trade tariffs and all this stuff. No one cares. It's boring. So they don't do it. And everyone's like, I don't know what's happening. What what's going on in the universe? I w-, and they're like, okay. You never saw the new republic. Here's what we'll do so that we don't bore them. We're not going to talk about this in the movie, but we'll release other things that have this information. And that's why all of these movies had Journey Two books um, to kind of explain things that that were going on. You shouldn't have to read the book to understand what's going on. And you're like. I- I felt like that scene in the notebook. What do you want? What do you want? <laughs> it's it's not that simple. Just what do you want? I, I don't know. Uh, uh, Brooke, your, your thoughts? Yeah. Uh, well, I certainly think that uh, it was probably the right decision to make to try to bridge the the new fans with the old fans and try to appeal to both of them. And I, I want to say I feel for the most part that The Force Awakens accomplished that. At least people that liked the originals and may not have liked the prequels still got excited for the new movies. Whether they liked them or not, they probably still went to see them. Um, I feel like they 
wanted to appeal to the because it seemed like more like the original trilogy fans were the hating were hating on the prequel fans. So the prequel fans were the ones that liked the prequels, and they were already more likely to go see the new movies. Um, I also think maybe because of the backlash the prequels got, they wanted to try to like bring the energy of the original trilogy back, um, which seems. I mean, I don't know what I would have, what decision I would have made if I was in charge. Um, I feel like the the big thing that differs from like Star Wars versus like Marvel now and these other franchises is that there was there was so much time in between the trilogies for a lot of waiting and a lot of anticipation buildup or a lot of even like falling off of the train of the fandom because. We're not, we like until Disney bought Star Wars, it was like, okay, well, what we're never going to get new stuff. And now, with like the MCU, they've been pumping content out every year for the last over 10 years. Um, so that's, I think that's why that maybe they don't get the same kind of level of criticism, um, compared to Star Wars. Um, I mean, so I'm hoping that. I'm hoping that um, with the with the new Disney Plus content coming more often with Star Wars, hopefully it'll it'll put that in kind of the same direction. We'll see, though. Yeah, I, I'll bet money though that we're actually about to see that criticism start to happen for Marvel. Um, and and I mostly say that because all of Marvel's stuff was created for a singular generation. Uh, it's all being made for this the same group, and there's this overarching story for these group of people. We just entered a new phase where they have to redo all of that stuff from the beginning. Now, I think they've been doing an awesome job so far. Mm-hmm. I've also started to see more criticism start. Um, that it's, you know, I, either certain things lack, lack depth or... Uh, the portrayal of like racism or existence of women is too on the nose or something. I don't know. Existence <laughs> of women. That's exactly right. As soon as a couple of women get in charge and get power. No, that's not realistic. What realistic in these movies besides the racism and the sexism? Because that is realistic. Anyway, sorry. It's, uh, I don't, but we'll, we'll see. Only, only time will tell. I do believe that we are in this new, this weird new pocket where we could potentially break the cycle because the whole movie, film, entertainment industry is having a monumental shift that was accelerated by six years with with COVID. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the movies were, were going to die at some movie theaters as a concept um, did not have a million showings of a million movies in the past. There was only a few movies, and they got more and more and more and more. And now, now they're dying. I believe COVID accelerated that death by like five to six years, in, in my estimation. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Uh, Jacob, your your thoughts? And I apologize because I, I can't remember how we got here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I can't either. Uh, I was thinking, though, back to your question about the things that may be paralleled between criticisms of the of the different trilogies and uh, something else that came up. Uh, I think Hammy had brought up about young Anakin and the way he was criticized. Mm-hmm. A lot of that 
in the prequel era as I was listening to my friends and not so much my friends because I had cool friends, but like the other people around us our age that were just angry all the time. They said it ruined Anakin's character. That I'm sorry, Darth Vader's character. Anakin in the prequels ruined Darth Vader's character in the originals. And then now we've seen, oh, the sequels ruined Luke's character from the originals. And so there's also a parallel there because of people's perception of who that is. And some of the biggest Star Wars creators out there, I think, get Luke completely wrong. I think they don't understand really his motivations in the beginning. And they're not old enough. And I, you, you all are younger than me. And you hopefully know I'm not criticizing your age. Having lived longer, though, I see more of Luke's perspective than I could have at 18 or 20 years old. I'm, so don't, don't hear that as a criticism. I w- would like to be 10 years <laughs> younger physically. But, uh, yeah, the, the whole thing is that people change over time. And you're right. There was a huge gap between the trilogies. A lot of stuff happened. And this other one, oh, we shouldn't have to read books. Literally from the beginning, Star Wars has had books. And that was the only way that people knew things like Sith and Palpatine and Ewok and Wicket. Like all these are things that or T-16 Skyhopper having the same controls as an X-Wing. They always use that to say, well, that's why Luke could fly, but Ray can't. Well, it was in a book. Well, guess what? So was the stuff about Luke and why he could fly the thing, because the controls were the same. They didn't say that in the movie. It wasn't even close to addressed in the movie. (laughs) These are the things that frustrate me when I hear these criticisms. And I'm like, I'm not trying to tell you to like the sequels or the prequels or any of it. Just step back for a second. Take a deep breath and get some freaking perspective. That's all I want people to do. Just think about it a little bit. It's easy to use the information that you have and forget where you got it. It's very, very easy. Um, I, I see it all, all the all, all the freaking time. Uh, yeah, and Dunning Kruger sets in, right? Like this idea that, well, I know all this stuff because it's simple to me, but that doesn't make sense, so it can't be good. So, like, I don't relate to Ray's character, for instance, so it must, it must be written badly. It's, it's ba- you know, I, sorry, I'm going to keep doing my little quotes, but I'll save that for my TikToks. Uh, it just it just frustrates me to no end because I have lived more life than a lot of these kids who don't they, – they could have. There are a lot of 17-year-olds that have lived a ton of life and, and can just run circles around me in terms of interpretation. It's not about age. It's just about perspective. If they could open their eyes a little bit, look at the world around them, they have an opportunity to learn some perspective. Like I, I mentioned today to some folks – about the Marvel show that we're watching, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and the whole thing with the racism. If you don't recognize it as a problem and you think it's forced, then maybe look outside your little community. This is an opportunity. Marvel's handing you, and Star Star Wars does this with politics and other things all the time. Like They're handing you this story that's entertaining that gives you some perspective that you've never had before. And now there are people on TikTok. You have social media, people talking about their relation to that perspective whether it's you know being finally seeing female characters that are heroes finally seeing people of color that are heroes and and so on listen to them you you have an opportunity so like my kids definitely they go on there and they listen they hear me they don't have a lot of these same issues because i've purposefully exposed them to some of these ideas and it's not the world doesn't revolve around you like that one I know we're not on a Marvel podcast, but like the ancient one, when she says to Stephen Strange, it's not about you. 
that quote, I think, could solve a lot of problems with every fandom out there if people just got that message. And uh, no, you're you're dead. Not right. Only about you. I mean, it is partly about us, but it's not only about us. No, you're dead right. And also, next time I do a, a Marvel one, I'll definitely have you on as well. But that's one of the reasons why I really wanted to have you on this conversation. Because, I mean, you you remember all the stuff happening, you know, uh, better than, than myself. Uh, also, I low-key wanted to encourage you to get this documentary. Because I know you can cut certain bits and pieces and make some awesome content from it. Um, hopefully we'll I've been meaning to do that, so I appreciate the nudge. I really should have all this time, so <laughs> it's coming. Um, but there's this kind of weird thought that I see everywhere where if where we've set up these patterns, we've recognized what we believe to be a pattern from this to this to this, and then we get new information. And this new information breaks our pattern. It's one or two possibilities. Either this is wrong, or maybe what we thought was the pattern is incorrect. We need to be able to hold both of those possibilities in our mind at the same time and truly examine them. Maybe, maybe what I thought was a thing is, isn't true here. Um... Uh, Jay Cap, you have something? Yeah, so this is an epistemological problem. I know that's a big, you know, $40,000 word, but it uh, the idea of how we view knowledge and how we view this information, what you said, I, I've done a couple of TikToks back months ago about this, and I should start doing it again. Like the dots that look like it could be circles or it could be stars or it could be all these different things. But when you get new bits of information, does that inform your picture or maybe – it's a three-dimensional picture and you're living in flatland and it's a sphere that's coming in, right? So there's like when people say that Ray's character has no depth, it's flat. Well, you're flat and it's not like you just can't see it because of your perspective. If you expand your perspective a little bit, you might be able to see more depth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, there's definitely some more of those TikToks that are coming too. Cause epistemology is one of my big subjects that I love. I studied some in college that's a branch of philosophy for those that you don't know. It's about the theory of knowledge and, and so on. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, and I'm going to have to take a moment and say, damn it, because I was expecting Plato's allegory of the cave from you. But, uh, well, that, yes, that's, that's definitely part of it. Like being able to see more clearly now. You're right. I was kind of alluding to that. So I'm glad that you brought it up. <laughs> uh, are you tied up and seeing just shadows dancing on a wall versus I can now go out in the real world, but now your eyes are hurting because you've never really used them before to use Morpheus's words. Uh, so there's, that's why I love the matrix so much, man. Yeah. There's so much of that philosophy in the matrix. I get chills thinking about it. It's I love thinking about thinking, which is weird, but yeah. It, no, it's, it's not it's, weird. It's, I mean, it is, but I appreciate it. um you know but i i mean obviously yeah this isn't a marvel uh, isn't a marvel show but in episode two of falcon and winter soldier when the cop car pulls up on on falcon and and bucky and i kept seeing people like oh this feels forced like oh that that wouldn't happen that's happened to me several times i've 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 walked from my own house to my own car and I've had cops on adjacent streets slam on their brakes, reverse up that street, turn in, flash their lights, no siren, 
turn on their lights, make a U-turn behind my car. And I'm like, and yeah, I'm and sorry that that happens. Sam's reaction is, is perfect where you're just like, it's not even, you're not even mad. You're just irritated because this is just always been how it is. You're right. just like, Oh, and he was already worked up from the discussion that they were having that got their attention in the first place. And he did nothing wrong. And that's why these shows and these fictional universes are so important because they help you see issues that maybe you don't see every day. You see that one often. And I'm sorry that that's a real reality for you. (laughs) I wish everyone understood that it was. And maybe we could make that less of a reality someday. That's kind of what I would like to see from this. Uh, So I I, I spent a lot of time in, um, I guess not Southern Oregon, Middle Oregon, like Canby, Oregon City, that type of stuff. I literally moved out of the state of Oregon because of how often I was harassed by the police. That's why mm. I left the state. Um, so it's it's a it's a it's a real it's a real thing. Uh, but people who have never experienced will look at it and be like, "Oh, that they're they're reaching. That's that's pushing an agenda." You like, you call it an agenda. I. I call it Tuesday. I, I, I was yeah. between between yeah. three and five weeks. I I would be pulled over for no reason for years. Three and five weeks. Years. Go ahead, Brooke. I would say it definitely is like a, about your experience because I'm, like obviously I do not experience anything like that, but I did live in Baltimore. And I saw it Mm -hmm. and where that scene was supposed to be. It's that's absolutely exact exchange that I've seen happen before. Um, So to say it's forced is just rude. (laughs) Same thing with these female characters like, oh, Ray was forced. I'm sorry, but we had 20, what, 25 or 27 years of only male protagonists, main protagonists until we got Ray. And then we got Jen and then we've gotten... You know, we're about to get Ahsoka finally as a protagonist, the main uh, hero. But how is that force? That's uh, I've never not had somebody that looked like me as a hero. I don't care if there's ever another white man that's a hero of anything that I watch because I've had more than enough for my lifetime. I'm I'm tired of people acting like, well, they've got to protect that. I've seen some of these toxic sites talk about, oh, no, Disney and Marvel, they're not going to have any more white men like I don't care. I mean, that's not true, but I don't care. Like, why are you so pressed? You have, you know, decades and decades of back catalog that look just like you. Go watch them. Yeah. Uh, and so I look like you're going to say something, Hammy. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was going to say um, it's just like what the thing, the problem I have with it is like, why do you have to complain on the Internet? If you don't like it, just don't watch it. It's just everybody complains about cancel culture. I think the bigger one is outrage culture. Why do you why do you feel the need to get on the internet and like um, just complain about it? If you don't like it, just don't watch. Like for example, the High Republic um, they just announced a, a trans non-binary character, mm-hmm. and I saw somebody on TikTok complain about it. I was going to make a video, and I was going to say, "Have you even read like a book, like a High Republic book yet? You weren't even going to read it anyways. So why do you care? You just like." Are you going to virtue signal to your audience? Like, what's the whole point of making a video if you weren't going to, like, uh, partake in the product anyways? Like, it's really weird. I don't, like, you know, listen sometimes. Like, get different perspectives. And, you know, if you're not going to participate in something or you don't like something, just don't watch it. Don't do it. It, it, The the funniest thing 
because I I've I've been laughing about the some of the High Republic coverage myself, because uh, that character, um, and I, and I say that character because it's essentially two beings that share one brain, they share one consciousness between two physical bodies, and they're an alien species. Uh, how how do you? How does what they identify... First of all, how could they identify with anything um, terrestrial? <laughs> and like, and that, that's the least interest, most interesting thing uh, about them, you know? And it's... But, but yeah, I always liken it to when you're driving on the freeway. And there's a bunch of space for you to get over. And the car back there speeds up. And you're like, no, I, I have the space and I have the time and you, you get over and then they have to like slow down and they're mad. And you're like, why did you speed up? Just, just, just go about your day. I, I don't, I don't know. You're, you're making yourself mad. Uh, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole thing. You know, Star Trek dealt with the, this issue about the non-binary, you know, species 25 almost years ago, maybe it's 24 years ago. I forget. There's an episode of Star Trek, the next generation. There's a whole planet of them. And actually one of the characters decided instead of being non-binary, like the entire planet, this one wanted to identify as female. And then this character got completely shunned by society. And it was a very interesting, like reverse take on that. And uh, that was back before any of these conversations were really happening out in the open. Right. Like, so that's another thing I love about these franchises is they deal with these very tough issues. Star Trek, for sure, has dealt with some of the craziest things and people don't even realize that it's happening. Sometimes they need to go back and watch that episode. You know, what one of my favorite characters of all time is Venom. Venom is not binary. I don't know if you're aware of this. Is, is Venom yeah, a boy? Well, is Venom be? a girl? Gee, it be. I was just trying to think what what would they be? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the right pronoun. I, I don't know. It gave birth to Venom. Carnage. It's just Venom. Yep. It, it's always it's always used neutral pronouns. I, I, yep. I don't know. That's that's a good point. <laughs> it's, like, it's an alien. Why? Yeah. Why are people pressed about it anyway? But yeah, that's kind of. We, we may have taken a, a left turn here. <laughs> that's why these, like I keep saying, these uh, stories are important. These conversations are important so that we can see perspectives beyond our own. I've learned tremendous things just on TikTok. I would like to think that I've learned a lot in my 40 plus years. I won't give their exact number uh, before I got to TikTok, but I've learned a lot from all of you and everybody that's in the chat. And there's like, I'm learning every day. Uh, it's one of the things I love the most about this community. So. I, absolutely. So, something about me, um, I guess feel free to cancel me if you need to, but uh, <laughs> I, I didn't know how, I didn't realize that female fans loved Star Wars as deeply as I did. And it was because I hadn't run into it. I, I just, I don't, I didn't know any. Um... I knew ones that were fans, but most of those cases, it, I was, I was a fan, and like my buddy was a fan, and then he married someone and brought them into it, you know. And I, that's problematic. That's stupid. It's it's really it's really it's really dumb that I couldn't make that connection because I haven't seen it personally. That's like, 
right now I do not own an umbrella. Why? Because I, I live in San Diego. It'd be an idiot if if I'm like, why do you have this umbrella? It never rains. <laughs> like, I don't live in San Diego, bro. Like, I I, I don't know. That's why first time people have maybe an ignorant perspective, as long as they're not being a complete douche about it, I will try to give them some grace and say, well, maybe you haven't been exposed to this. Because I know I grew up in a small town in East Texas, and there was very little diversity. I mean, there were white and black. I grew up in a black neighborhood. But beyond that, there was nothing else. There was no other races. And I just hadn't experienced anything. I had no idea what their cultures were like. I got to college and started going traveling to Asia and other places and ended up marrying an Asian. <laughs> I've gotten some different perspective. I mean, a lot of my uh, study was anthropology, but I had to go experience things before I finally could see things like what you're describing, that the Brooks out there absolutely exist and they're totally valid, absolute true fans. And we should, we should know that, but I'm going to give people well, some kick ass. She's like the at best first. Fan. Oh yeah, totally. Uh, but once you get exposed to that on social media and you still refuse to accept it, yeah, then I'm probably going to kick you in the teeth a little bit, virtually. Yeah, I, I hope me saying any of that stuff didn't make you uncomfortable. But also, did you make the, uh, is that a Mjolnir on one ear and a cap shield? On it the is, yeah. I just noticed I that the, they didn't match. It's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah, far, far away factory. Um, I'll check it out. No, um, so so going going forward though, what do you think we can we can do? Because obviously there's a cycle that keeps re repeating. Um, everyone loved uh, the first Star Wars film, right? Which is funny because it wasn't original, and George was certain that he was going to have to get the rights to to Howl's Moving Castle, uh, not Howl's Moving Castle. What the hell am I talking about? To uh, Flying Fortress. Um, Moving Castle, Flying Fortress. You can see how my brain... Uh, I apologize. Because it wasn't a, a truly original idea. But he took a, this, this spin on the genre that no one's ever seen before. Right? Then we get Empire. People hated Empire. Why? Mm -hmm. Because they brought a stupid puppet in and had to act with a human. What kind of garbage is this? Like, this isn't what I signed up for. And then Jedi came out. People hated on Jedi. All these little bears are going to fight the Empire. And then re special editions came in. People hated those. This isn't the same movie I grew up with. And it just keeps going, keeps going, keeps going. What do we do? Uh, what, what do you think we could do to move forward with this? And I think it started with Hammy last time, so I'll start with Brooke. That's such a loaded question. Um, I remember, I think someone in the documentary said, like, we like this thing, so we want more of this thing that's just like this thing. And how do you put, give you give someone something that's exactly the same? It's just going to be that thing. So if you like that thing so much, then you can watch that thing 8,000 times if you want to. But eventually, to keep other people interested, it's going to have to change a bit. Um, and a big thing, a big shift we're seeing now, which is hopefully moving into an even better direction, is representation, not only in who we see on screen, but also the people that are behind the screen in the industry is, I think, super important. That is, I would, 
argue almost more important than obviously I want everyone to be able to see themselves on screen, but we also want to do justice to those stories. Um, so if you have, you know, a story about a bunch of women, but it's written by a man, how authentic is that really going to be? Um, Mm -hmm. so I think with this new generation of star Wars things, um, Disney plus things, we're seeing, uh, a better direction as far as the, the creators, um, as far as fans, it's, that's such a hard question to answer as a community. We just kind of have to like call it out when we see something that's not right and keep trucking along with, with what we think is right and try to be louder than the loud minority. Um, of, of people that want everything to stay the way it is because it fits what they want and it fits their, their thing. Um, I think having conversations like this is, is super important. Um, I loved watching like the, the star Wars theory stream the other night. Um, was it perfect? No. Were there a lot of issues that I had with it still? Yes. But baby steps, I guess the fact that they are even willing to, to have conversations like that, I think is incredibly important to, to get a a wider perspective because someone like that, yes, has like 3 million followers, but those 3 million followers all follow him because they like what he says and they might take what he says as gospel. Um, and they might not understand other perspectives because they're not looking for those other perspectives. So, as I guess as creators with platforms to be able to be willing to listen and also elevate voices of other people um, is super important and being more open-minded as fans is important too. And then also for everyone here and everyone in the chat, um, because I I I 100% agree with that. I try to make it very, very clear on my posts when I'm sharing something from Canon or if I'm sharing something from my own personal experience. I even put up a label that says opinion (laughs) sometimes. So I try very hard to make that distinction because I don't want people to take my word as as gospel. Um, But if, if I'm ever slipping, please keep me honest. Let me know. Um, call me out and, uh, don't be a dick about it, (laughs) but, but, um, yeah, I, I would hate to, 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 to share bad information. That's just not what I, what I want to do. Um, uh, Jacob, your, your thoughts. So we are at a crossroads, I think. I mean, I guess we're always at a crossroads, aren't we? But, you know, when the harmony are. (laughs) Uh, when uh, the internet was still pretty new is when the prequels were coming out and everybody, like I said, a lot of uh, sites sprung up and chats and whatever just to hate on the prequels and to hate on George Lucas. And now we've got YouTube where it has become a literal business to hate on Disney. And these guys make money off of just this narrative. Uh, A lot of it, some of it, some people's opinions, some of it's just fake news, like I won't even give them a platform on here and name them, but there are some channels that are just garbage. 
and people parrot that stuff. However, uh, when I make content, when you make content and others that call it out and we're trying not to be dicks about it, although maybe I, maybe I don't try too hard sometimes. Uh, but it's, <laughs> I have fun with people, but we're now we, there's this democratic, you know, platform where we can go out and make content too. And if people like it and they want to hear it, then they're going to boost us. And maybe, you know, we can finally do a counterbalance to all that disinformation and just bring positivity exactly like what you're trying to do here and uh, with all the stuff that you do. So I very much appreciate that. Um, I feel like, like, like today I had somebody comment and they were, I, I really appreciate what they said. They're very well-meaning, but they said, I wish you would just ignore all the, the hate comments. I do ignore like 99% of them. <laughs> I'm very selective of the few that I pick. And now I only try to do it one or two days a week because I did realize it was getting a little bit like, ah, Kevin's just taking another guy to task behind the woodshed again. Um, I, I don't want to be that you know negative guy all the time, but at the same time, I have more people than I care to you know name and admit for their own privacy uh, come to me daily and say, I used to be like this. And finally I heard you or I heard, you know, Element 7 or Darth Chaco or somebody, you know, uh, give this positive perspective and suddenly I'm not that way anymore and I appreciate you and I appreciate them. And that makes me excited about what I'm doing. It just makes me want to go bigger and, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> do way more. So that's why I'm looking to expand my YouTube channel and actually get some content out there that can be a counterbalance in the force to all the garbage that's out there. I think maybe help a generation that, the ones that actually have a brain and will look to say, okay, is it just this person or these people that I hear all the time, the negativity, or maybe there's another perspective. I should look at that and uh, do something else with it. So I think there's a big opportunity right there. Absolutely. I agree. And, uh, Hammy, your thoughts. Um, I guess for me personally on my channel, um, I don't, I mostly do like opinion pieces, I guess, or like theories and stuff like that. So for me, um, as a younger person, I think, uh, you know, I understand the younger person's perspective more, especially since um, most people my age, maybe even myself included, are ignorant sometimes. And I, I can admit that. And I try I try my best personally to to call it out. Um, but at the same time, be understanding, because, uh, you know, I I once was that uh, type of person, I guess. But at the same time, I. I know that they can change and I know, uh, I know what not to say because I know um, if I make a response video to something that's toxic, they may just want that. They may, you know, that's what they want. They want me to get frustrated. But if I come at them calmly, uh, respectfully, and I try to offer them a chance to have a conversation, like I've, I've always advocated for, um, you know, longer form discussion. I think it's, you know, TikTok's a great platform, but you only have a minute. So there's not much you can do, uh, you know, if you slip up and you say something wrong, people can twist it. So, you know, I, I try to, you know, have a longer in-depth conversation and, you know, I, I do my best, you know, if, if I'm wrong about something, I want people to call me out. And if they disagree, I also want people to tell me they disagree and, uh, we can, you know, have a conversation about that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, this this has been this has been awesome. Um, I think I I might want to make it a regular thing where in my Discord server I will show s something, some type of film or something like that. Uh, there's been talks of us actually uh, 
watching the original versions of um, of Star Wars, the the un uh, unruined versions, as some people would would say, and maybe you know come here as a forum to talk about it or something like that. So hopefully, I can I can get this going. This has been a, a lot of fun to talk to you guys about about this stuff. I do think it's it's important, and again, I I do think that this is that we're we're healing and there's a lot of people that hate the sequels and that's that's cool that's totally fine um i don't think they'll change there have been some people that look at things differently or understand other perspectives but as we've seen with the the special editions and with the sequels uh, and the prequels and, and all the stuff that the people that grew up with this as their full scope of what Star Wars is are going to grow up with this as their full scope of what Star Wars is. So, and and I and I applaud that, and I applaud that future. I think we it's very bright, and we have a lot of places to go. Um, but yeah, let's to to close up. Let's go ahead and go around the room again, and uh, you can let us all know if where we can find you and your content. Uh, if there's anything, you know, pending, you guys are about to make moves and kick ass or whatnot. Um, but also just give us any, any closing thoughts or things that you think people should uh, keep in mind. And for this one, I will start with, uh, with, with Hammy. Um, so guys, uh, you can find me on TikTok at uh, Man. You can also find me on Twitch. Uh, at that same username, and you can find me on YouTube uh, at Drew H. You could—that's where all my uh, Star Wars content is primarily. Um, yeah, and I guess just my takeaway from this is, you know, um, try to listen to people. I guess try to be understanding, and you know, be respectful as possible. You know, just take—don't be reactionary. Just take a breath, um, relax, uh, and if you don't like something, you don't like it. So you know. There's going to be more Star Wars content, obviously, and you'll find something you like. I guarantee it. So, you know, just enjoy the things you love and try not to hate uh, the things other people do. Nice. I love it. And uh, Brooke? Yeah. Um, well, closing thoughts, I guess. Uh, if you are a creator of any sort, no matter how small your platform is, you have the ability to be influential to someone else because um, I have I have don't have a very large platform by any means but I have had other girls and women come to me and tell me that I've inspired them to start talking about Star Wars or talking about the things that they're passionate about and that makes me feel awesome because um, as much as I can uh, my comments I can sometimes be a comment a uh, punching bag for uh <laughs> people that don't agree with my opinions um if i know that it is inspiring at least one other person to uh be a little more confident in themselves then i think that's good if you're not a content creator and you're just a a consumer of said content um just be a little more open-minded um to to listen to others um, but you can find me at, uh, TikTok. My TikTok is bdazzler, b underscore dazzler. That's where most of my content comes from. Um, mostly Star Wars stuff, 
some Marvel stuff now. I am your um, resident simp for male characters with um, questionable morals, if you like that kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think my Instagram and Twitter are B underscore Dazzler95. I don't, I'm not that interesting over there, but if you want to follow me there, um, that's cool. And if you want to have some really cool um, earrings made out of Legos and other um, cool stuff, you can go to Far, Far Away Factory on Etsy and help fund my Disney World trip that happens at the end of this month. <laughs> awesome. I love it. Uh, one thing I do have to add is, is, she always promotes her earrings, but I've seen her paint like Revenge of the Sith jackets of Obi-Wan and Anakin, like cover art stuff on the back of a jacket. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. So it's, I don't know. You should, you should check it out. There's, there's, there's more than just earrings. <laughs> you, can, uh, you can find that stuff at Far, Far Away Factory on Instagram if you want to see my portfolio. Yes. So thanks. And last but certainly not least, we have Jay Kevin Parker. Yes, this is amazing. I appreciate the, these conversations. Uh, to be a part of them is just really inspiring to me. And to hear people say, I, I've had people say the same thing to me, Brooke, where it's like, I didn't feel like I could say anything. I could even share my opinion. But uh, And they'll name a lot of people, but you know, we're all helping them to feel bold enough to actually do it. And that we stand up to the haters doesn't mean all of them necessarily want all the hate. I get every day I have friends that are like, oh, I'm so sorry that you get all that hate. Don't feel sorry for me. I have skin thicker than Beskar. I do this on purpose. I purposefully try to pull a lot of those out. I consider myself a professional troll hunter. And if they're bothering me, then that means they're not spending that you know minute or two bothering somebody else is the way I look at it. And yes, I might convince one of them to change once in a while but just like uh matt damon said i didn't do it for him you know when he was playing loki but not really uh, i don't really do it for those guys i do it for the ones who are on the fence about it but particularly for the ones who don't feel bold enough to stand up and actually say anything even in comments one of my mutuals doesn't even produce any content but he has been such a a uh, a defender of people liking what they want to like, not of a movie or something like that. But like, he, he's just been so good as a defender of people that we've become very good friends. And, you know, we're talking about after pandemic, you know, we're going to meet up and, you know, grab lunch or something that I think that would be amazing. So like, you don't have to create a ton of content in order to be a positive influence in the mm-hmm. Star Wars community. Just, you know, like a video, leave a nice comment, tell somebody, Hey, that's not cool. You know, when they're acting like a douche and, then uh, I'll consider you a very good friend. <laughs> Kevin Parker on TikTok and Twitter and Instagram and uh, Epic Worldview on YouTube. I'm going to grow that channel. I only have a handful of videos there now, but it's yeah. coming. Awesome. No, I, I love it. And I, I appreciate you, uh, JKF. I feel like I, I kind of feel like it's, it's like a uh, an MMO party. And uh, Jake Kev is the tank, right? He pulls all the aggro. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm ranged DPS is is, is my role, uh, but you know we, we wouldn't we wouldn't succeed without you. Um, no, no, but I want to thank you guys so much for for coming on here, having an open discussion. I want to have more of these. Hopefully, we can keep this thing going. Um, not only to benefit the community, which is the main goal. 
but I like talking to you guys, so <laughs> we'll 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 keep this going. And um, yeah, we will say on to the next one. Uh, thank you guys for for coming out. Thank you everyone in the chat. Uh, let's actually do some some more chat shout outs before uh, before taking off. I want to because I'm appreciative to everyone that's here. You know, we have have Tom Watts is here, Flame Runner, Sokka, the Avatar guy, which is expanded. It was just Sokka before. It was just Sokka last time. John Snow's here, Cal Four, um, for Julie Christine, Xcore Gamer Skills, Element Seven is my dude. He's always he's he's my dyad. Um, if you're not following him, uh, please follow him. He and I have a separate podcast called Diet and the Force. That's every every weekend. Um, everyone in the chat, thank you so much. Chatting time just got here. Just commented like two seconds ago, so he missed the whole thing. I'm shouting him out, but uh, but I'm putting you on blast. Uh, get here earlier next time, jerk. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for, for, for joining me and may the force be with you always. <laughs>